I was sitting, I was sitting in service last week, and um, God, was, God was speaking to me, and I was sitting in my chair, and God was speaking to me, talk about the Lion of Judah. <laughs> and what's crazy, what's crazy is that just a couple days ago, my wife was showing me a post from, from Susan Cheatham, the guest speaker at the Women's All Night Prayer, a post that she put on social media. I believe it was Thursday or Friday evening. This was way after God had spoken to me. And she had, she had put this post on social media. Let me read this for you. And she was excited about coming to New Harvest and to speak to our women. And she put this post. Wow. She put, I can hear the rhythm of the lion of the tribe of Judah. <laughs> now, if you know anything about me, if I get really excited, I'm going to keep you here all day long. <laughs> Talk about confirmation. Because, because what, what, what God was telling me, he was when I was sitting in that chair, talk about the Lion of Judah. Talk about the power. Oh, man. Talk about the power. My people, my people need to hear, they need to be reminded about the mighty power of the Lion of Judah. Why? Because God says, it's my power. It's my power. You need to be reminded as a church this morning, you need to be reminded about the Lion of Judah. That's what today's title is going to be on. This message is going to be exactly what God had put upon my heart. If you have your Bibles with you, turn to Genesis chapter 49. Genesis chapter 49. Verse 8, he says this, it says, Judah, and this is Jacob talking to his son Judah, your brothers will praise you. You will grasp your enemies by the neck. All your relatives will bow before you. Judah, my son, is a young lion that has finished eating its prey. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down like a lioness who dares to rouse him. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from his descendants, until the coming of the one to whom it belongs, the one whom all nations will honor. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would bring, Lord, forth clarity and understanding in your word this morning. Lord, help me, Father God, to speak it as you have put it upon my heart, Lord, to share this message this morning. Lord God, to remind us, Father God, of who we are in you. Lord, I pray right now that hearts would be open to receive and that we will see fruit as that seed is cultivated. Father, we give you all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name we pray, the church says, amen and amen. This message is called the Lion of Judah. As I'm sure you are all aware of, this reference is in reference to Jesus Christ. Our Lord, our Savior. Before I go any further with this particular reference 
to Jesus Christ, the Bible also refers to Jesus as the Lamb. Are you familiar with that? The Bible speaks about the Lamb who was slain, the Lamb who gave his life for you and I. What comes to mind when you think of a lamb? I'll tell you one thing, it's not power. It's not superiority. You know, I think of, I think of sports team names. You know, when you're picking a team name, you wanna choose something that has power, don't you? If you were choosing a team name for a, for a sports team, you want to choose something with, that will generate drive. It'll generate vitality with the group. Can you imagine, you know, uh, someone, someone calling, you know, say, you know, the Philadelphia Kittens. Who's playing today in football? Oh, the Philadelphia Kittens. <laughs> Can you imagine? It would be a joke. It would be a laughing stock. The New York puppies. Oh, you know, we all love dogs. But how about if your team name was the puppies? I guarantee you, you probably wouldn't get one win. You would, you would go, you would, you would be defeated before you even played. And so you choose names to, to bring forth power. That's why, you, that's why you hear teams' names like, like uh, you know, the Bulls. You think of a bull, you think of power. You think of, you, think of, you know, those, those crazy people who, who choose to be chased by bulls in other countries. You don't see no one doing that here. <laughs> you couldn't pay me enough money. You hear of teams like the Giants, you know, football, not baseball. The, football, the Giants. Go Dodgers. <laughs> That's right. You hear teams like the Bears. You know, a bear is this great animal that you don't want to mess with, right? You know, don't wake the bear, right? Don't wake the sleeping bear because you're not going to like what you get. You think of teams like the Warriors, I think of New Harvest Warriors. Amen. These are teams that, that bring that drive. And it makes, you, it makes you ready to play. Let's go out and get them. Let's draw some blood. I mean, let's, let's play, you know, fair. <laughs> let's do it. Let's get the W. Can you imagine if the Los Angeles Rams were the Los Angeles Lambs. No knock on the Rams. <laughs> May God give you favor today. And you Niners fans, uh, we'll, pray, we'll pray for you. <laughs> um, but can you imagine... You know, you probably, you probably hear jokes about that. You know, people say Los Angeles lambs, you know, as a, as a, you know, just to make fun of. But can you imagine if they were actually called that? How weak that would sound. 
doesn't convey any power. It doesn't convey any superiority. So why? Why is it that Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Son of God, why would he be referred to in Scripture as a lamb? Listen to what John says in John 1.29. It says, the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John was so excited. He said, look, it's the Lamb of God. It's the Lamb of God, and he comes to take away the sin of the world. What a blessed, blessed moment this is. Why didn't John the Baptist give a more intimidating name? Was John the Baptist wrong? Was his, was his diet of, of locusts and honey making him crazy? Not at all. Let me tell you why. First of all, what comes to mind when you think of a bald eagle? What comes to mind? Maybe you think of freedom. You think of liberty. You think of our national anthem. It seems, uh, you know, maybe, you know, it, uh, because our, that bald eagle is a part of our national identity. Well, for the Israelites, a lamb wasn't all that different. See, a lamb wasn't their national animal or anything like that. But you can say that it was part of their identity as a people. Think about their escape from slavery in Egypt. Remember when Pharaoh wouldn't let them go? And God sent 10 plagues to change Pharaoh's heart and mind. Do you remember what that final plague was? God sent the angel of death to kill every firstborn son of every family in Egypt. But he wanted to spare the Israelites. So he told each family to kill a lamb in place of their firstborn son and to put its blood on their door frames. And so that when this angel of death would come through, it would pass their home. See, the point is, is that for the people of Israel, a lamb was a symbol of salvation. You got to understand this. When God said to put a lamb's blood over your doorframe and, and you will keep your firstborn son, your firstborn son will be saved from death. That meant so much to them.
It was the regular sacrifices of lambs that reminded them both of their sin and their forgiveness before God. So isn't it fitting then that John the Baptist looked at Jesus and called him the Lamb of God? Because Jesus didn't come to be ferocious. Jesus came to be weak, to be vulnerable, to be humiliated, to submit himself unto the Father. When I say he came to be weak, it doesn't take away the power that he has, but he allowed himself, he allowed himself to be killed by people for you and I. Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 4. He says, Paul says, For he was crucified in weakness, but lives by the power of God. Oh, man, that is awesome. That is awesome. Though, may be, though he may be a lamb in sacrifice, oh, he still reigns in power. He still reigns in power. See, he came to be that sacrifice for the sins of the world. He came to be the blood on each of our door frames. He came to be a lamb. But the Bible also refers to Jesus as a lion. The only reference is found in Revelation chapter 5, if you would turn with me there. Re Revelation chapter 5. Beginning in verse 1, John writes this, and he says, Then I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one who was sitting on the throne. There was writing on the inside and the outside of the scroll, and it was sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals on this scroll and open it? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. Then I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. But one of the 24 elders said to me, Stop weeping. Look the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, has won the victory. He is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. Verse six, then I saw a lamb that looked, that looked as if it had been slaughtered. But it was now standing between the throne and the four living beings and among the 24 elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which represent the sevenfold spirit of God that is sent out into every part of the earth. 
See, in the book of Revelation, John consistently uses the word, the number seven, to symbolize completeness and perfection. Fullness. So the seven horns on the lamb, who is Jesus Christ, you see horns, horns are in reference to power. That's, that's what the reference was, and that was the, that was the symbol. The symbol of, of, of that horn was power. And so when he has seven horns, it is perfect power. It is complete power. Why? Because that's what, that's what seven symbolized. And then he says he had seven eyes. The eyes symbolized intelligence. The eyes symbolized insight. What does that mean? That means that he has perfect insight. Complete intelligence. Isn't that awesome? That's amazing. He talks about the sevenfold spirit. Isaiah speaks of the sevenfold spirit in Isaiah 11, verse 1. And he says, you got to listen to this. He says, out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. He says this. He says, and the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. So the number seven refers to completeness and perfection. He says in verse six, Then I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered, but it was now standing between the throne and the four living beings and among the 24 elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which represent the sevenfold spirit of God that is sent out into every part of the earth. Verse seven, He stepped forward, and took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. And when he took the scroll, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, and they held gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song with these words. They said, they sang, you are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it. For you were slaughtered, and your blood has ransomed people from uh, has has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God, and they will reign on the earth. John says. Then I looked again. And I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne. And of the living beings and the elders. Can you imagine that? He says, and they sing in a mighty chorus. Worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Just picture that. Millions of angels. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea. 
And they begin to sing. Blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. See, I'm telling you right now, every knee will bow. Oh, man. I thank God. I thank God that I know him. I thank God that I made a decision to follow him. And you can too. If you're here this morning, if you're watching this morning, and you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, man, God has appointed you to hear this message this morning. You see, John references Jesus to both a lion and a lamb. What does he mean when he refers to Jesus as the lion of Judah? Well, first, the lion, as you are well aware, is known to be the king of the beast. The monarch of the forest Because of this, it has become an emblem of one of kingly authority and power. It is because Christ has the power to open the seven seals. He has ultimate power, complete and perfect power that no one else has. in reference to being the Lion of Judah, we need to go back to the verse that we first read in Genesis 49. This chapter of Genesis 49 records Jacob's last words to his sons before he passed away. You see, the 12 tribes of Israel come from the names of Jacob's sons and grandsons. And the tribe of Judah being the most dominant. And Jacob speaks to Judah, his fourth son. Starting in verse 8 of Genesis 49. And he says these words. He says, Judah, your brothers will praise you. You see, Jacob's speaking a prophetic word into each of his son's lives. That's what's taking place right now. Prophetic word. Judah, your brothers will praise you. You will grasp your enemies by the neck. All your relatives will bow before you. Judah, my son, is a young lion that has finished eating its prey. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down, and like a lioness, who dares to rouse him? The scepter will not depart from Judah nor the ruler's staff from his descendants until the coming of the one to whom it belongs, the one whom all nations will honor. That's that's unbelievable. Jacob, I believe, is actually making reference to the coming Messiah. Why? Why? Because Jesus is actually a descendant of Judah. 
of that tribe. Other kings being King David, King Solomon, also from that tribe of Judah. So all the way down to the Messiah. And Jacob says these words to his son. When he says, the scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from its descendants until the coming of the one to whom it belongs, the one whom all nations will honor. And this is exactly what took place. This is exactly what came to be. See, the Bible also refers to Satan uh, as a roaring lion. So maybe you think, well, is that the same thing? See, these are things that the world may bring out to you that I want to bring to you first. (laughs) The Bible does make reference to Satan as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. But I'll tell you right now, that same, uh, uh, even, even though there is power in both evil and good, don't ever forget what John writes in 1 John 4, 4, that greater is he that lives in us than he that lives in this world. We're not talking about the same lion. There's no comparison in the power You see, because the power that the enemy has, though he has some power, but the power that the enemy has is nothing in comparison to the power of Jesus Christ. It's no match. And that same power of Christ lives in you and I. Satan is a lion looking for those to devour, those to, those to ruin, those to trash. Jesus comes to save. Jesus comes to give life. It's an exact opposite. One takes and one gives. One thinks he's powerful, the other one actually is. Oh, man. John writes this in Romans 8.11. John, I said, uh, Paul writes this in Romans 8.11. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. That same spirit, that same complete mighty power of God, that perfect power of God lives in you and I. Oh man, that's exciting. So when John references Jesus as a lion, what is he saying? Well, what he's saying is, who can come against him? Oh, man. Who can come against him? And if someone actually does, who can win against him? No one. No one is able to defeat this lion. Because he's not just a lamb. He's the lion of Judah. And you need to never, ever forget that. He is not a weak God. 
He is not a powerless God. He is not a dead God. He is a powerful, living God. He is the perfect, the perfect, amen, God. There is none like him. And it doesn't matter what we think. It doesn't change that. It doesn't matter if someone doesn't believe. It doesn't. We pray for them, but it doesn't matter to God in regards to his power and what he has. It doesn't take away from what he has. It saddens God when someone doesn't believe. It hurts him. It hurts him dearly. But it doesn't change the fact that he is all-powerful. It doesn't change the fact that he, still has, that he still has a plan in play. It doesn't change the fact that he is going to complete what he has begun. See, I'm talking about the supernatural power of God. And we need to operate in that same authority and that same power. Well, how do I do that? Well, how about in the words that you speak? In the words that you speak, you speak in the power that God has given to you over your life, over your family's life, amen, over your marriage, over your children, over your health, over everything in your life, you speak that mighty power of God over your life. You speak it just as, just as Jacob spoke those words over his, over his sons. He spoke those prophetic words. You speak prophetic words over your children. Do it. I believe God looks at us and sees a mighty army. A mighty army. You may look at yourself and you think that you are inadequate. You may, you may look at yourself and think that you are lacking. <laughs> we are. <laughs> that is because that is true. We need Jesus Christ. We need him to help us. Because without him, we are nothing. Without him, we are powerless. If we are less Jesus Christ, then we are powerless. But in Christ, we are mighty, an unstoppable force. And this is what God was urging me to speak this morning. Talk about the Lion of Judah. Talk about my power. Talk about how, how, it, needs to be, how it needs to take place in your lives. You need to be reminded. You need to be reminded. Stop searching for it because the evidence is all around you. The person sitting next to you is evidence of the mighty power of God. The person speaking to you this morning is evidence of the mighty power of God. That's him. It's the power of God that gives us the strength to stay in the battle. 
Oh, man, thank you, Jesus. Lord, even though the going gets tough, Lord, I'm going to just keep going. I'm going to keep going, Lord, because I know that you have given me the strength to do so. Man, we had a beautiful service yesterday. Beautiful service for Brother Joe. Beautiful. I don't think there was a dry eye in this place. But finishing the course, God giving you the strength to do everything that he has called you to do. I kept hearing uh, uh, multiple individuals talk about his humility. Who does that sound like? That sounds like my father. That sounds like my father. God is faithful. He loves you and I. He seeks that none would perish, but that all would come to know salvation. That all would come to know and to see and experience what Brother Joe is experiencing right now. That all of us would come to know that. And church, there's room. There's plenty of room. You're never, you're never gonna see a, a no vacancy sign in heaven. There's room. God, Jesus has went to prepare a place for you, he says. And he prepares a place for all those willing to reside there. Willing to spend eternity in the presence of God Almighty. Paul writes this in Ephesians 6.10 as the worship team comes forward. In Ephesians 6.10, Paul says this, he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Be strong in the Lord. You need to speak to yourself each morning. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. Yes, going to the gym is needed as well, amen? You know, if you have that kind of discipline, go do the gym stuff in the morning before work if you can. But you need to be strong in the Lord, amen? And in the power of his might. He also writes this in 1 Corinthians 6.14. Paul says, and God raised the Lord and he will also raise us up by his power. God is raising an army. He's raising up a mighty army. It's the perfect time. In those times when the world seeks to shut our mouths, tries to silence us. You need to stand up and say, no, I will not be silenced. <laughs> I will preach the word of God. I will declare the name of Jesus. And at that name, every knee will bow. There is no greater name 
There is no greater name. And I will not hold back. And I will not live in fear to consequences of preaching the word of God. You see, no one can stop the move of God. No one. Not you. Not I. No one can. In God, in God, there is completeness. In God, there is perfection. In God, there is fullness. He has sent a perfect sacrifice, not only to be a lamb, but to be a lion. The lion of the tribe of Judah. Let's give God praise this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we worship you. We give you praise. All glory and honor goes to you, Lord. Hallelujah. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Hallelujah. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Oh, we declare the name of Jesus. We declare the name of Jesus upon this nation. We declare the name of Jesus upon this city. The name of Jesus upon our homes. The name of Jesus upon our lives. The name of Jesus upon our descendants. Hallelujah. As every head is bowed, every eye closed.